money. Not faith in money, but faith. <laughs> faith in money, that's a lose-lose, boy. But we're going to talk about faith with money uh, in our Faith Factor series. You know, God Almighty promises to provide for us, and that's his desire. God des God's desire is to take care of us in the material world. God is not oblivious to f physical things. He is not calling us to live, not maybe all of us, maybe some people feel called to this, to live in a tent and, uh, you know, forage for our food or something like that. Money is something that is a part of life that impacts us in kind of big ways, wouldn't you say? And we want to get to the place, though, of having faith, of trusting God when it comes to our finances. Because it is, I don't know if you've noticed this, but isn't it a bondage to worry about money? It sucks. It feels heavy. It feels like a burden. I mean, think about times, whether it's now or another time in your life, it can get to be like, think about how often right now you worry about money. You know, how much that affects the rest of, of your life or impacts the rest of your life. So we're going to be talking about God's perspective and that he does desire to bless us and take care of us in this part of life. And I've been all over the map when it comes to how I've related to money and we'll kind of look at that because generally there's a couple of extremes and we'll look at that too as far as you know there's two a couple of extremes that um that bring us into bondage and then there's kind of a healthy way of relating uh to money where there's freedom and trusting god and that's where we want to be with it so and if i haven't met you hi i'm nancy i'm the lead pastor here at searchlight let's go to first timothy six is the first verse of scripture that we're going to be reading. And uh, I think we're on version today, right? Okay, so if you have the Bible app, version, all the scriptures are there. If you'd like, you can even take notes in that. Uh, or if you go old school, it's really, I like old school. So you can underline verses and take notes. You can take notes in the program. Or you can, if you're really lazy, you could just look up there. <laughs> No, just kidding. <laughs> we put it up there for a reason, not to. <laughs> anyway, now, have you ever heard, some people quote this thing, uh, money is the root of all evil. Have you heard that? It's not what the Bible says. It is not. Let's take a look at, we're going to look at that verse right now, because there's nothing bad about money. There's nothing bad about it. Money is neither good nor bad. It's just, you know necessary. And in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6, it says, <laughs> this is going to, we're going to lead up to that verse, but it starts off saying, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Now I want to kind of break this down because I just got it, as I started like looking at the words and the Greek words and kind of etc., I was like, this tickled me. So it's saying godliness, which is walking with God, seeking God, with contentment, contentment is not needing anything, is great gain. And the word gain means acquisition in the Greek. So I was thinking about this. So think about this. Wouldn't the ultimate be like walking with God and not having any need? 
it says, it's an acquisition. It's like cha-ching. You know, it reminded me, what's funny is it, what tickled me is I started thinking about those bumper stickers saying, he who dies with the most toys wins. I was like, this is the substitute for that. You know, like, you want it to, I mean, because it's obviously ridiculous. If you die with the toys, it's not really. <laughs> but it's kind of like, this is, you win. You know, it's kind of like godliness with contentment, you win. So that's where we're, that's, that's what the goal is. And then it says in verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. So that's like, again, the silliness of the bumper sticker. We do want to keep that in perspective, because how often do we put such a priority on money that it's kind of like, really? How, how, how much do you think that you would be on your deathbed and go, wow, wish I had had more money? I really regret not having more money. I really look back at my life and just wish that I had spent more time acquiring money. You know, so it's kind of like keeping that in mind as well. You can't take it with you. And in verse 8 it says, having food, <laughs> this, this gives me a charge too as I notice this. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Okay, that's a challenge, isn't it? I noticed, guess what? It doesn't even say a house. <laughs> it's saying, like if you think about it, if you got food and you got clothes, be content. That's, you know, it's, we want, I know this is, we're going to talk about how God provides, but there's another element of it where we actually want to find that we're blessed where, we're, where we are. Because part of Part of the craziness is wanting what we don't have all the time. It's just a bondage and a prison. And it kind of never ends. That's the thing. You think, if I get here, I'd be fine, and then you get there, and all of a sudden, that's not fine. You want something bigger. You want more, et cetera. So there's not a win in, in that. And uh, the verse, this verse is just chock full of, or these verses, this section is chock full of all kinds of things. It says in verse 9, but those who desire to be rich, and that word, uh, strangely for desire, means to will deliberately or have a purpose. So it means being purposed and focusing on being rich. It says, fall into temptation and a snare, snares a trap, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, stupid lusts, and harmful, harming you and harming others. It says, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And that drown means bring to the bottom. So it, this is kind of fascinating. It's, but the, if, and I've, I've actually been in the place that money was the big deal for my life. Where there was a time that I lived where I wanted so desperately to be rich. It just meant everything to me. Somehow in my brain I thought, if I was rich, nobody could kick me around anymore. You know, I thought people would have to like me then. You know, <laughs> it's just like, I, you know, I think it's because, you know, the powerlessness and, and being raised in an abusive environment, somehow I thought money was the key to then never having those issues again. So I put all of my focus and desire into it, and it was really interesting. I mean, it was just, it was one of the, one of the lows in my life is because I sold out and everything was about that. And the job that I had, I was like, um, I was like uh, eight, 
I know it's kind of silly. I was 18, and um, and I had this job that made $80,000 a year. Mind you, that's in the 70s, so that was a lot of money back then. And so, and I was just su super ambitious, and then I had this radical thing happen that was where I was very wronged, and in my that same job when I was 23, I think, I lost it, uh, and I lost everything. I had a house on the beach, I had a DeLorean, I had, you know, just like, I had a, you know. <laughs> I mean, and I lost everything, and it was so painful. I was in a little ball on the floor crying as they were like, I had, you know, I rented the house, so the landlord propositioned me to keep, to stay. I was just like, talk about, it was like, and I sat there going, wow, this is how low. I mean, I really get this being pulled down to the bottom kind of a thing because I was, I was in a ball. I was so, I couldn't, it, I cried. I actually had friends of mine that had to come and move me out of the house and move my stuff because I was that, like, destroyed because I had lost things. And from that place, because, it because I hit such a bottom, I was like, I can never care about money again this much. You know, or be that attached that it would have this kind of effect on me you know, that, it, that I'd feel like my life was ruined over it. Um, so this is what it's, it's talking about. And then it says, in verse 10, for the love of money, not money, the love. If you love, mo loving money is making it matter too much, is a root of all kinds of evil. So it's a, a root. It's not the root, etc. but it's a root and so that means that it's the, it's, it's the beginning of something that grows up. Loving money too much grows up into all kinds of other bad stuff. Where we sell out, we sell out our integrity, uh, we compromise on relationships and on ourselves and all kinds of things in the time and where we spend our time. Um, and it says, it even shows you some examples, it says, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. It says, because pe money can mean so much, sometimes having that be our priority can help pull us away from God. For one, we're not trusting God with our finances, but uh, otherwise, this is like, that's kind of a big deal in a way. Um, and I can relate. I've definitely been there for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So it's kind of interesting because there's two sides of really unhealthy relating to money, I would say. One is the greed part, you know, like wanting more, wanting more, wanting more, like, and it's never enough. Like wherever we are, we are we're looking at some other lifestyle, et cetera, and saying, if only that that's where we're living. Or the other one is worry, having a poverty mentality, where it's just sort of, there's fear and worry, and, and it's all about um, not, you know, uh, fear. It's just fear when it comes to money. Worry, feeling burdened, etc. And neither one of those, obviously you see, this is like, money can hurt, like the way we relate to money can hurt us a lot, actually. Or it can be a blessing. We're going to look at that too. Let's look at 2 Corinthians in verse 9. This is a section that I read a couple of weeks ago when it came to the promises of God. And in this, there's a promise. There's actually a couple of uh, uh, promises in this, but it says, 
Uh, let me read the promise first, and then we'll kind of give you the context of it. It says in verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to, toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. What would, it, what would you like right now? Anybody here would like to have all sufficiency in all things? How would it feel to not lack? To just be in a sense of, I am not lacking. Talk about peace. That's where we want to be. This is a promise from God, and there are many others regarding God saying that he will provide for us in whatever we need. And we're going to look at some of those promises. But it's interesting because, remember, in order to receive the promises of God, we need what? What's the one thing? To receive faith. We need faith. Every promise of God is tied towards faith. Believe and you'll receive, it says. Believe and you'll receive. Guess what God says faith looks like when it comes to money? Faith looks like giving. So I want to, interesting, huh? And I, we're going to look at this verse and then look at what, why, why that would be. Because it's kind of, you know, might, probably sounds a little strange. Um, in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6 it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And sowing, if you guys don't know, uh, sow, we don't use that, is planting seeds in the ground. So he's using, this is an agricultural society in biblical times, so that's what they knew. That was what was visible for them. But it's kind of, we know you plant a seed. You plant one seed. You don't get a g big giant crop if you put one seed in the ground. Sometimes you don't get bubkiss because the seed doesn't sprout, you know. Um, so you plant a little bit, you get a little. And if, you're, if your one seed is successful, you, you, you know, you'll grow something that has more seeds in it that you can plant. But it's, so it's saying if you plant a little bit, you know, you're going to reap a little bit. And if you plant or sow bountifully, you'll reap a lot bountifully. It's going to be in proportion. So it says in verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God, strangely, it's going to be, we're going to be reading more about this, but God actually wants us to try and get our hearts lined up with this too. God actually, in the Old Testament, there was a, you know, because, and, and we're going to look at this, but the law in the Old Testament, and we're going to, was that everybody had to give 10% of whatever they received. And it was a law. It was not like negotiable, whatever. It wasn't, you know. Um, and so you can imagine people gave 10% and weren't happy about it probably. <laughs> There's probably a lot of giving going, oh, damn it, 10%, you know. <laughs> I hate this. What kind of God is this? But God still said do it anyway. So this is interesting. So God is saying, so of course now the people of Corinth know this. They know that God said that the minimum is 10%. And so he's saying, if you give a little, you reap a little, you give a lot. And then God says he loves a cheerful giver. He went, you know. And then it says, the promise. So you always see when it comes to finance, there are so many promises in the word, but they're all tied to giving. There's none of them that go, oh, God's going to bless you and prosper you, and giving isn't associated with it. Because giving is the mark of the faith. 
And you think about it, why is that? Because to give means you're not trusting in your actual money. You're saying, I am not, like if you've got bills to pay and all that, you're saying, I'm not trusting that that's how I'm going to pay my bills. I am trusting that God is the one that provides for me, not my check. So it takes faith. It takes walking out in faith. You've got, it's kind of like it's real faith because obviously we can deceive ourselves on this too, right? It's really easy to go, I believe. You know, God's saying, well, if you believe, then give. If you believe I'm your sufficiency, then it shouldn't be a problem. So it says, oh, and then we'll keep reading because then, then here comes the promise. And God, it says, is able to make all grace abound toward you that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And then it says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. <laughs> this is kind of cute. I always think in this verse, it says, God's the one that gave us the seed to begin with to give. From God's perspective, we got the seed to plant from God. So he's like, and he provides the bread. So it's, it reminds me, giving reminds me of, you know, when you're a parent and you give your kid some money to buy you a present. And they're so proud, right? It's just sort of like, look what I got. You know, it's just like it's your money. That's what it is with God. It really is. It's just like, yeah, it's all mine anyway, but, <laughs> you know. But it's just sort of, okay, I'm being real generous here, God, and giving some back, you know, of what you gave me. And then let's go to Malachi 3, because part of what is it to sow bountifully, what is it to give a lot and to give a little? Because <laughs> we're laughing. It's funny because have you ever seen somebody that did not know they're cheap? <laughs> Do, you know what Do you know what I'm saying? You're sitting going, goodness gracious. You're just sort of shocked, and they're just kind of a, maybe they think they're generous. You ever seen somebody who's just like, I'm very generous, and you're like, yeah. You don't ever pick up the chair, you know, <laughs> like, or whatever. Like, you're just like, oh, dear. It's just an <laughs> So it's interesting because in Malachi, <laughs> uh, Malachi 3, in verse 6, it says, this is, again, the, um, the Old Testament law. It says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O son of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. And we're going to look at what this is that he's saying that he doesn't change with. Because this specifically is saying, this is a precedent. It's, it, this is a biblical principle God's laying down. He's saying, I don't change. And then he's also saying, he's talking to his people in the book of Malachi and saying, you have walked away from my ordinances, from how I've taught you what the Lord has instructed, and not kept them. It says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, this is kind of intense, and I'll walk you through this. But it says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. 
in my house. See, I know King James in my brain. Uh, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So let me kind of walk you through because there's, believe it or not, there's so much in the Bible about money because money ties very much to our hearts, if you notice that. It's just sort of like it is one of the, of the touchiest subjects ever for most people. You know, have you noticed that? It's like deeply emotional. Um, and so God's saying, you know, it's funny, you know, God's saying, you've robbed me because you haven't, a tithe is 10%. And they were just sort of, 10% in the Old Testament was not just 10%, but 10% of the best, 10% of the first. It wasn't the leftover. And so, why, you know, why is God getting kind of intense about this? Because you're just going, wow, that looks, sounds mean. Um, I really believe it's because of the fact, and he says, you've been cursed with a cursing. Your lives are showing cursing. We've saw what happens when people are attached to money, and we've seen it, right? Like where there is over-worry or over-greed for money, it's a prison in our hearts. It weighs us down. And so God's saying, you're suffering from the result of that. You think that being greedy and hoarding and keeping from me is a blessing? He's like, no, this is putting you in bondage. This is no freedom. He's saying the freedom is, and, and I love this, it says, bring in the tithes to the storehouse. And then he says, and try me. He goes, test me out. God, can you believe God is saying, I dare you to see if I don't work for you. How cool is that? God's saying, I dare you to see if you don't tithe that I don't show up for you. I'm God. He's like, try it and you will see if I won't be present for you in this. Now, why 10%? I believe because, for one, again, people can fool themselves about what generous looks like. You know, of what it's like to be a generous giver. I think also 10% is hard for anybody. I know it sounds strange, but 10% is obviously really hard if you have hardly anything, right? You're sitting there going, how am I going to pay the bills? Like, this is really scary, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Scary with that. But it's also scary when you have a lot because it's like you're giving a lot and it's just sort of like, wow, I'm seriously going to write a check for $80,000 right now. I'm thinking about our house. You know, just like, just like, oh, really? Like, you know, it's just it, it, giving a lot, it's just hard to reconcile that. How is that? It sounds crazy in some ways to separate yourself from large amounts of money that you can think of so many other things to do with that, you know, that, with that money. So it's a stretch. I think God put it in there God, because we need to know what a standard looks like of a stretch, of a faith, of what that actually looks like to have faith. You know, because otherwise we'll say, oh, I'll give five bucks and see what God will do. Or, you know, I'm not, you know, or, I mean, obviously it has to do, we're going to look at, it doesn't have to do with the amount of money. It has to do with how much of a sacrifice it is for you personally. That's what the 10% is all about because it is going, I'm telling you, there's nobody that won't feel a pinch from 10% in terms of like a challenge, et cetera. Um, 
But God's saying, try me out. If I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, you don't have room enough to receive it. You can't outgive God. Now, mind you, I have to say, I related to this part in a really fun, I've tithed for, since I was 13 or 14 or something like that. I was either 13 or 14 when I came to know Jesus and somebody taught me to do this. I've tithed sometimes cheerfully and sometimes very grudgingly. Um, there was a time that I tithed during that whole money thing that this is where my heart was with it is I was tithing and kind of thinking it was supposed to make me rich or I was kind of mad at God about that. I thought that it was supposed to be like that, I, you know, health and wealth gospel kind of, you know, I, there is something about God wanting to bless us and take care of us. But I, but I was relating to it where I was giving in like it was greedy it was just sort of like, really, I needed more? Why? Like, you know, just it, w there's nothing wrong with God blessing you, and I think God does. I think, um, I, you know, in many ways I feel blessed beyond, I mean, I do feel like we've been blessed beyond what we need for things. But, um, but to have the thing of it's not enough, you know, where we are, again, there's sort of that, that whole, you know, that it was tied in with that. So... So there's different elements in here. Um, let's go to, you know, it's just sort of like, because if you think about it, you've got to really trust God that, because it's illogical. How's 90% going to be more? If you've got 90% left, how's that going to bless you more? <laughs> you've got to have God in there someplace. Because you know, on paper, it makes zero sense. Zero. If you think about it, it's just the crazy. It just sounds crazy. But I think God's got a few things in there of, of faith in Him, as well as not being overly attached to our things, uh, which is huge. Let's go to Mark uh, chapter twelve. I love this one so much. This is a woman of faith. Mark twelve, in verse forty-one. It says, now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. And that must have been really impressive. And I guess they must have done it in a way where you could see the people putting. I bet you that was really impressive, you know. So they were probably egging people on, like, to show off and go, bam, like, look at all the money going in there, you know. <laughs> people were like, oh, look, the rich people. And, and uh, uh, it sounds like they had kind of a more public system of, noticing who was giving what. And then it says in verse 42, then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. What is that? It's a few cents is what it is. And in verse 43, he called his disciples to himself and said to them, assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had for her whole livelihood. Now, this blows my mind. This is a poor woman. All she had to her name was a few cents. Probably wouldn't buy much food even. I'm sure even hunger was kind of on the table for this woman. If that's all, Seriously, if the woman only had a few cents to her name... The fact that she didn't have to give it, because this is beyond a tithe. She's giving 100%, not 10%. 
This woman that had nothing, her faith and trust and love to honor God, that's some faith. That blows my mind that she's sitting there looking at all the rich people putting in money. She could sit there and just go, well, see, they got plenty. Look at all the rich people. This has got to be her heart. There's no other explanation but that this woman loved and trusted God to be her sufficiency and not her money. Because in no other way does this make any sense, does it? I am so deeply touched. I cannot even imagine how deeply touched God must have been with that faith. That that, that, I mean, well, Jesus just told us right there, you know, who Jesus definitely was communicating the heart of the Father. But he's saying she's the big giver. This is a woman that got nothing. But she loves God. you got to love God. This is not something you do out of obligation. This is not any, nobody asked her to do that. But she wanted to. I just am so, t- I, I know that that woman got taken care of. I know it. You, you read about the st- story of Elijah and the, you know, and the woman that was about to eat her little thing of bread and die, and, and he's saying, give it, and she did, and that woman, God provided for, you know? I want to meet that woman in heaven from paradise. Matthew 6 and verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And that says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is money. So it's saying, there's a few things. It, again, money and your heart, <coughs> heart, there's a huge connection Jesus spoke about this. He talked to the rich young ruler who was too attached to his things. So we see, and we see that too. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You ever notice what you care about you spend money on? People you like, you give them nicer presents, right? More more important people in your life, those are the people you get the nice presents for. So... You have, you don't, it's funny because there's just sort of like, in say, like way back in the day, we used to have the sales thing saying you haven't reached a, a man's heart till you reach his pocketbook. It's true. Until somebody's ready to separate from their money, they haven't, the, you know, their heart's not there. Do you know what I'm saying? We, we get, our money, we're very, we're very protected about that, that we only give it up when our heart is there. And then it's interesting how that whole thing about the lamp is the eye and all of that analogy, it's kind of like if you think about it, if the way that you're seeing, if, you're, you know, if your eye and the way that you're taking in information is dark, then all of you is dark in that way. And the context of this is how we relate to money. 
Isn't that interesting? I mean, some, we can't really separate out that whole analogy because it's packaged between, like it's starting off about money and then it ends about money that you can't serve to. And a master is what rules you. It's less like who's calling the shots, who's making the decisions. <coughs> Let's go to Philippians 4. And in verse 10, it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote the church epistles. And it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly uh, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. And he's talking about that they gave money to him, actually. And uh, though surely, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that in whatever state I am to be content. So the Apostle Paul saying, he's kind of living this way of saying, whatever, he's, <laughs> he's saying that they gave him money. And we're going to look at this. And he's saying, which is really interesting, that he spoke to them about giving not because he had need, because he said, I'm going to be fine no matter what I got, which is kind of cool. Like his heart was, I, I have to say, I mean, honestly, this is a little bit, in some ways, easier for me to teach because I don't, and I've never had an income from ministry. Um, and, I, and I give, and I believe in giving, and I believe in tithing. And, um, but it's interesting to me that he was saying, because, you know, it's, it's uh, that he got his income from the, their giving, but he was saying that he taught, that he wasn't, he didn't teach them to give because he needed. And actually, we'll see the rest of this. It says, um, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned. I'm going to be content with whatever I've got, it says in verse 12. I know how to abase and I know how to abound. Like, I know how to have a lot and I know how to have a little. He's like, which is interesting because there is a talent to knowing how to live with a lot or how to live with a little. You know, when, when you have a lot, part of, like, for me right now is, like, I really work at trying to guard my heart to not have that be important or be attached to it. Like, I keep thinking in terms of our house because we like our house and of just going... I want, I, I really believe if we can't give, we're going to, we, I'd get rid of our house before I, I'm not going to tithe. I would. I'm just not going to live that way. Do you know what I'm saying? I know Adam totally feels the same way. I'm like, if I got to live like that, I don't want to be living there anymore. It's just sort of like, so it's kind of like you want to be able to learn whether you got a lot or a little. And he says that. And it says, Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And that says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying his sufficiency is in Jesus Christ, not in what he's got. In verse 14, it says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress, meaning that they did give. And in verse 15, now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities, that they kept sending to bless them financially there. And then it says in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but that I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He was saying, I'm not, I'm not preaching giving because I want money. He's saying, I want you to get blessed. That's why I'm teaching giving. And that's why, actually, that's why I really, I, I, honestly, I just love, I really believe in this. I believe that when our hearts are in a place that we're trusting God with our finances, it's 
amazing. It's delightful. It's freedom. There's peace. You know, every, I, I have confidence. Like, when we have financial issues, I'm like, we're going to be cool. We tithe. I'm like, seriously. Something comes up. I'm like, I know we're, God's going to take care of us. Like, we talk about that. I'm like, why wouldn't he bless us? We tithe. Whatever that is, whatever the, whatever the drama, whatever, whatever, you know. I've had a couple challenges sometimes with the business. I'm like, God's got this. So then it says, in verse 18, indeed, I have all and abound. <laughs> I am full, having received from whatever that, how you pronounce that, the things that, <laughs> these names, things sent from you. And then it says, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Offering, they talk, God says that offerings, like offerings of prayer, he talks about it's like a sweet fragrance to God. Like the offerings when we pray are like, mm. it's like they, they had incense. It was like with their offerings, it was just like, oh, it's like a sweet fragrance to God. He's saying that their giving is an offering. It's an act of worship that smells sweet to God, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And then in verse 19, another promise, and my God shall supply all your need. Yes, you knew what I was looking for. How much of your need? All your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God, again, we see the promise tied to the giving. The result when we give is that we know that God will provide. That absolutely God will provide. It says, it's cool. It's cool. It's a promise of God. So, I know this may, maybe some of you guys have never even heard this before. <laughs> so I get it might be like, what? This is, sounds wacky. Um, it, is, it can be a challenge if you have not tried tithing before. Um, it can be, a, it's definitely, you can see how it's a stretch of faith. When you get used to it, it's not so much of a stretch anymore. It feels kind of like, I'd rather, <coughs> you know, to me it's just sort of like, if I have to spend less to tithe, I'll spend less. You know, it's just sort of like I want to be where I'm not attached to my money, where I am trusting that God will provide for whatever I need, that he is my sufficiency and not me taking care of myself. I don't want to live in fear when it comes to money. I don't. I don't want to have it run my life or I just don't. I want to be in a place where life, like it says, you know, in the, in the verse that we read about seek ye first the kingdom of God a couple of weeks ago, where life is more. My, I want my life to be about other stuff, not about money. We can enjoy, I, I want to be in a place where I can enjoy the things that God's blessed me with, but not need them and not be attached and not be clinging and hanging and hoarding and afraid and all of that where I'm trusting God with my finances. And God's blessed me. I have never, you know, I really want, you know, we have a, like, way more comfortable life than, you know, we need, quite frankly. You know, and I pray regularly because, to me, 10% is just the minimum. So usually we're in over that and, you know, in years of our lives unless leaner times we tend to stick to 10%. But, um... But I also pray, too, that God would just say, 
where I just go, God, everything we have is yours. If you want us to do something else, right now it's yours. You know, I just really want to be in that place that my life is about other things. I have an awesome life. Life is about God and relationships and loving one another. That's what makes life sweet. That's where you want to end your life going, I had an awesome life. It's not about the stuff we have. So there's sort of like, do you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like this. There's a couple things of God. We do have physical needs. God wants to provide for those. But we want to relate in a way that we're not overly attached, that we trust God. I want to tell you this because I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you a couple questions that you can write down, and I want you to ponder. I want you, there's two questions I have. One is, what would it be like to not have to worry about money for you? Just what would it look like? I want you to think about that one and meditate on it. What would it be like not to have to worry about money? Now, mind you, if you first start tithing, you will be worried for a while. (laughs) It won't be like, it takes some getting used to, because at first it's just like, this is scary. You know, it takes some getting used to where you're just going, wait a minute, I believe God can be there for me in it. Um, So I understand that. And then the other question that I have is, what are your next steps in trusting God with your finances? So maybe, I'm going to say, you know, like I, I get it. Maybe tithing is just like, wow, I wasn't expecting to hear that at church today. <laughs> Wish I had skipped this day. and gone. <laughs> Gosh, can we come next week when it's all about getting rid of fear? So, uh, <laughs> um. Honestly, I've been so blessed by this in my life. I really have. It's, it's been a freedom to me in so many ways. To get my heart in a good place as far as finances go, it feels great to not have the worry and the fear. So I've got a couple things. One is, let's say, you know, if you're not, maybe if tithing is like huge leap for you, maybe you just want to start off having some commitment to regular giving of some kind. You know, of just saying, okay, I'm going to commit on my way. I want to get there, but I'm not there yet. Uh, Or maybe some of you do want to try tithing. You know, if somebody wants to try tithing, just in case anybody out there wants to try it, you know how God says, test me if I'm not going to open you the windows of heaven? I believe God is faithful in that. So much so that if anybody here feels like trying tithing for 90 days, you want to just try it, see what God will do, I'm going to tell you right now, because I've seen God work in my own life, that if you don't see the blessing of God at the end of 90 days and you've tithed faithfully, we'll give you your money back. I, I want you to just try it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're, if you wanna, if you're feeling like maybe you want to just see what God will do, to just try it, to be faithful at that, it's going to be a challenge. you got to, you know, give it before you spend it on other stuff. To try tithing for 90 days, you know, it's a 90-day challenge. If you want, on your connection card, you can write, I, I want to try the 90-day challenge. And honestly, I'm, I'm will, we're willing to back it up because I don't know if the church could give you your money back, but we will. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, seriously, like, that's how much I personally believe in it. Like, I'll, I'll personally, like, give you your money back at the end of 90 days, you know, if it's not something that you see God work in. You know, because I've seen it in my life. It's not that I desire a gift because I don't even work for this church. (laughs) 
It's because I desire fruit to abound to your account. I've seen God work. There's incredible blessing and freedom. And people that have known, you know, I've got a lot of other people that I've talked into trying it. And I'm telling you, God is in it and can work. There's freedom in saying, I'm trusting him. You know, so I, I love you guys. And hopefully you're not too frustrated with me about today's teaching. But uh, it's the word of God, so how can I really apologize for that? God said it. I believe it. So let's pray. I'm going to pray for everybody. God, I'm so glad that you are a loving God. Thankful, thankful, God, for your love and your care. I love that we can trust you. It is. It sucks to trust in myself. I've done it before. Trusting in myself for finances, it just sucks. It's so stressful. But I love being free and trusting that you are a God that provides in every single way. I ask you right now to help everyone right now in their hearts to move towards you, to move towards letting go and trusting you in this part of their lives, God, that there could be freedom, that they could see the blessing, God, that it's amazing that we can't outgive you, that when we give, that you just show up in other ways. I've seen it in my life where I've given one place and then you've just blessed me in some crazy random check that comes that's not even my job, you know, or something else. Because you own a cattle upon a thousand hill, that you are able to provide, that you have enough, that you're a God of wonders, you're a God of miracles, you're all powerful, and there's nothing that's too hard for you, including providing for our material needs, God. Help us to trust you and to let go and to walk in faith in this, God, for freedom and for blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen.